1: This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling-Biru. Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Confidential, a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. We're a little over a month away from the Oscars, and after last year's stripped-down pandemic ceremony, we're looking forward to an Oscar night that we're more used to. The red carpet is back, and the stars are most likely preparing their looks and their speeches. In her new book, Beyond the Best Dressed, my guest culture writer Esther Zuckerman takes us through over 90 years of Oscar fashion from a historical, political, and cultural perspective from the scandalous to the game-changing. I had a great time talking to Esther about some of the fashion moments that resonated far beyond the designs becoming cultural milestones. From Hattie McDaniel, the first black person to win an Academy Award in her beautiful gardenias, to why Cher wore a revenge dress and will Lady Gaga do the same this year? The star whose dress got run over, so she had to dive into her own closet who took a piss out of the establishment through fashion, Zendaya's defining moment, and much more. Esther, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk with you. So in your new book, Beyond the Best Dressed, you write, and I quote, only some of the most memorable Oscar moments have anything to do with the movies in contention. And many moments have to do with clothes and you, in a very interesting way, take a look at the historical, the political meaning of many of the things that the stars have worn to the Oscars, but also things like revenge dresses and scandalous messages. And I can't wait to get into that couture with you. But first, just for reference, the Oscars are now coming up on 94 years. In the early days, you write that women wore the studio clothes, or or rather, costume designers from their films made them. Then Melissa and Joan Rivers stepped onto that red carpet. So what happened there? The early days of the Oscars looked a lot different
2: um, than what they do now. I mean, when the Oscars started in the late 20s, they were just like a dinner with dancing. In 1930, Mary Pickford, when she won, she was a relatively scandalous figure there were these rumors that she imported all these dresses um, from Europe, and one of them was what she wore for her Oscar dress. She sort of started the Oscar campaign, like as we know it. In the early days, when movies themselves were so driven by the studio system, a lot of what stars would wear was an outgrowth of that. As the Oscars produced, there's no like one exact moment what changed, but in the '60s and '70s, you started to see more designers taking the stage. Barbara Streisand's famous see-through look was Arnold Skozzi. when Liza Minnelli won her cabaret. She was wearing Halston, who is, she's obviously famously connected to. But you know, I think in the '90s, the idea of the red carpet style it became very much what we know it: designers lending their clothes to stars, the snarky red carpet best and worst dress the rise of that world
1: but yeah it's it's just an interesting evolution let me ask you about Hattie McDaniel because I thought that was a really interesting story and tell me about her dress and who she was
2: yeah you know it's not like we know the designer really we don't really know the provenance of it but one of the things I highlighted was her use of gardenias which she then wanted on her grave and was an image that Sort of connected with her, and then Monique, when she won years later, wore the gardenias in her hair as a tribute to Hattie Daniel, the first Black woman, Black person to win an Oscar for *Gone with the Wind*. She walked into a ceremony where Black people weren't allowed in the room. Her story of her Oscar nomination is really fascinating because also she was the one who went to the studio and advocated to be campaigned for. She was the one who said. Basically, I deserve this nomination. And she won over her co star, Olivia Havlund, who was reportedly very upset <laughs> about her win. I think what's interesting too is looking at the response to her presence at the Oscars, there was a lot of self satisfied patting on the back from the Hollywood establishment. Of course, and then there was talk that the studio wrote the speech for her and all of this. There's a lot of Hollywood self-satisfied and then you look at years later and the fact that the Oscars are still such a white institution Mm -hmm. is very interesting that all those years ago, there was this moment of celebration that felt a little bit hollow and felt a little bit both exciting but also condescending in its own way.
1: What about Jane Fonda, who who has brought a lot of politics to the Oscars and, and many other places? How, what what Talk about her clothing and her choices.
2: So Jane Fonda won for Clute, um, which is a great film if you haven't seen it. One of it. my favorites. Yeah. Her win came at the time when her activism was reaching its peak, her anti-war activism. So she sort of knew walking into that room that she was going to be looked at for many different reasons. She was interested in saying something but also didn't know how to go about it and she sort of used silence to speak volumes. She wore a an Yves Saint Laurent suit that she had. Must be nice. As we do. Um, And it's black. It was very sort of striking look and you know this is someone who's been on the Oscar at the Oscars countless times, like with her father, you know, she was nominated earlier um, for the issue Horses, don't they? And she actually asked her father, Henry Fonda, what should I say? And she took his advice, which was to say something along the lines of there's a lot to say, but now it's not the time to say it. I thank you for this and left. And it's an interesting thing because I think we talk a lot now about political stance that people make and and turning and making speeches, making your platform meaningful. And I think she did make her platform meaningful, but in a very sort of subtle way. Like it's an interesting case of silence, speaking volumes, clothing being sort of emblematic of that silence, just wearing a simple, gorgeous, but simple black suit.
1: Someone who's done the exact opposite of what you're saying is Cher, who definitely yeah. let the clothes always speak. And, and you even talk about her having a revenge dressed. Talk about Cher and her different styles.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously Cher went to the Oscars plenty of times before the instances that I read in the book with Sonny Bono doing the whole thing. In 1986, her probably most famous look is this Giant Bob Mackie headdress, this sort of
1: yeah, like cutouts and things, right? You can yeah, see yeah,
2: it, it it almost looks like teeth. Huge midriff.
1: Everyone Google this so you know what we're talking about. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that year she was in Peter Bogdanovich's Mask. She won Best Actress. A can. She thought she was going to be nominated. She wasn't. She was pissed. And then they asked her to present, and she sort her whole idea was like, I'm going to make my look a big fuck you to the staid notion of the Academy and it's interesting because like Cher obviously really did want an Oscar and then two years later she won for Moonstruck wearing another Bob Mackie look that is also is a little bit more subdued but also Cher I talked to Bob Mackie for the book he was like if it weren't see-through it would be sort of just like a normally elegant dress but it's see-through because it's Cher and that's what she won in but the 86 look is sort of just a great example of someone using fashion to make a statement, maybe a slightly more petty statement than what Jane Fonda was doing. But like, it is interesting. She knew, as she said in interviews, that maybe it might hurt her standing in the world of Hollywood that she came out and made this all about her um, with her giant look it didn't really matter in in the long run she's
1: supposed to do that she's supposed to make it yeah
2: all her. <laughs> I mean my hope for this year is that Lady Gaga having not yeah. gotten nominated yeah. for House she- of Gucci yeah that yes. she's gonna like show up wearing something insane because yeah. like her nomination she I mean obviously she's been nominated and won before Gaga has but she always does like sort of classic Hollywood glamour
1: it's funny. Yeah, when she goes to these things, she always looks very classic to be her. But this time, let's hope she does some real crazy Gucci. Yeah. <laughs> while writing the book, who would you say to you is the most created the most scandal with their dress? I mean, I think you've got to say Bjork. <laughs> like,
2: It is arguably the most famous sort of Oscar look. Um, that's not
1: the swan dress we're talking about with the neck. Yeah, or... the swan dress, Bjork swan dress. It's
2: Obviously, it created this
1: giant
2: fracas in the media. It's been mocked for years following. It was mocked on stage that night um, when Hosty e. Martin came out and like made a clip about it after Bjork did her performance because she was nominated for best original song. It's actually interesting because like I think one of the things that gets overlooked in the Bjork Swan dress thing is like what she was actually there for. And she was there for her nominated song from Lars von Trier's Dancer in the Dark, which is a movie about a woman with a degenerative eye disease who was accused of murder and then hung at the end of the movie. So like it's this devastating song and this, this devastating performance.
1: In the swan dress.
2: Yeah. And she sung it in the swan dress, which is the sort of weird choice. But the thing about Bjork is that Everyone made fun of her as if she wasn't aware of what she was doing, but she was yeah. 100% aware of, of what she was doing. She, like, brought eggs to lay on the red carpet. She said later on that she was 100% taking the piss. She knew what she was doing. And, like, honestly, her dress is a work of art. It's been displayed in the Metropolitan Museum and MoMA. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. I wish more people would wear stuff like that.
1: But she's, like, the category of, artists that take a piss, as you were saying, out of the Oscars, who don't like the whole thing. Yeah. Like Parker and Matt Stone, who wore Gwyneth Paltrow's dress and J. Lo's dress and things like that. They're sort of not going to be seen as taking this seriously in a way.
2: So I do think there's like a slightly a different thing. Bjork sort of taking the piss was also, you know, had some self-humor to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I do think the Trey Parker and Matt Stone thing is funny. It's more aim at the joke, with like less at the institution, more at like the women in a way. True. It's more like making fun of how women dress for these things, but they were high on acid. Right. <laughs>
1: yes. They had a good time.
0: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com.
1: Then there's another direction. There's sort of the homemade dress. You have a couple of examples, Joanne Woodard and well, it's not homemade. Sharon Stone, but it was definitely not in the price range that we've been talking about right right now.
2: Well, Joanne Woodward, you know, winning for three faces, we made her draft at the 1958 ceremony. That to me is just such an emblem of like what type of star she was. She and Paul Newman were always seen as like this weirdly down to earth couple for being two of the most famous people in Hollywood. And she was someone who, that I kept coming across this example of some of the choices were often made. Like, well, I'm not going to win anyway. So I'm just going to, you know, make my dress. What That's what she did. She was just like, well, I'm not going to win. I might as well make my dress. And she made her own dress. So perfect for who she was. And then the Sharon Stone example is a little bit, is a little bit different. The thing about Sharon Stone is that She's sort of best known for wearing this Gap turtleneck when she was nominated for casino. That said, what she wore around it was stuff that was in her closet, but it was like an Armani tuxedo dress and like a Valentino skirt. So it's not like it was, (laughs) it's not like this was this like fully affordable outfit. But she had this sort of fashion emergency. She was working with Farrah Wang on dresses. She had chosen one, fell out the back of a truck, got run over was impossible to wear she called the costume designer Ellen Mirojnik is a legendary costume designer who designed her basic instinct look the most famous thing associated with her the little white dress which did not feature underwear which wasn't Ellen (laughs) Mirojnik's choice but still and Ellen was like just take everything take what you like out of your closet and we'll rearrange it into something and they rearranged it into this amazing look with this gap turtleneck and they plucked a flower from her garden and put it on and you know and I think one of the things that's so interesting about that it's this idea specifically this star wearing this look it was this example of people were stunned by it because it's like a gap turtleneck right at the sort of heyday of gaps really omnipresence in culture but also that you know Sharon Stone is this massive sex symbol And she's wearing something that like any woman could or her closet and wear at an affordable price point. Obviously not the Armani tuxedo or, you know, but sort of the opposite of Joanne Woodward in a way who like Joanne Woodward always presented this idea of like a very approachable star. She and Paul Newman always seemed like people who were fairly regular for this crazy industry that they were in. Whereas Sharon Stone was known for being this difficult sex symbol and she's wearing this fairly regular item.
1: Zendaya, that was an interesting chapter in your book. Talk about her.
2: I mean, Zendaya is a really interesting moment at the Oscars. First of all, Zendaya was not the star that she is now. like Today. Yeah, Zendaya is stratospheric, but in 2015 she was really still a Disney star basically. And she wore this incredible Vivian Westwood dress and she wore her hair in locks. And they described it as Greek goddess meets Lisa Bonet. Like it it was such a great look. But on Fashion Police the next day, which I think this is really one of the moments where obviously Joan Rivers had passed, but the Joan Rivers era started to backfire was that Juliana Ramsey? Who was the presenter? She said that the locks quote overwhelmed her and that she smelled like they looked like she smelled like patchouli oil or weed. Um, Oh my god! And obviously a very loaded statement. Juliana Rancic tried to apologize, saying like, "Well, she wasn't talking about race; she was talking about like hippiness." But obviously, if if you don't know what you're saying, there like a huge, obviously racially charged language and. But I think the moment really turns into the star that she is today because her response was so wonderful. I mean, she wrote this Instagram statement where she talked about everyone who wears their hair in locks, including Ava DuVernay, who this was also prime Oscar so white ear. Um, so Ava DuVernay, who filmed Selma was nominated for Best Picture, but she was overlooked for Best Director. You know, she cited Harvard professor Vincent Brown and then her brother, her childhood friend, you know, all these people who had locks, you know, it was this moment where this really, really young woman, I mean, it's can seem to think about how young she was at that time, really put everyone to shame. And the look itself is so sort of emblematic of everything Zendaya would um, to represent this mix of classic Hollywood glamour and really sort of boundary-pushing style.
1: I always look forward to her Yeah,
2: when she's- I assume she'll probably be there this year with Dune being
1: nominated and,
2: you know, the year of Spider-Man, everyone is so sad. Yes,
1: (laughs) they need to be there. (laughs) Yeah. Michelle Williams' yellow dress, the iconic dress, it seems to be a consensus that that's one of the most beautiful, stunning dresses that have ever been. At least it's always in the top lists.
2: I think one of the reasons for that like it's so hard to pull off yellow. The color of it is so stunning. It, it's Vera Wang. It was custom designed. I always think of it also in context. That was such a huge moment for her. She was nominated for Brokeback Mountain along with Deep Ledger. And it, there's a sunniness to this idea. And this is probably me projecting a little bit in the book. But like this idea of this happy couple. Um, and she so radiates that. And then. So much of her public persona since then has been obviously she's done amazing work as an actress, but you know, whenever you, you whenever there's a profile yeah, the of her or anything, everyone always mentions the death of the Ledger and the tragedy of it. And I think one of the reasons that it stands out is A, yellow, it's gorgeous. B, yellow is so hard to put off. And C, it's this moment of sort of this pure happiness for someone whose sort of public persona has been defined so much by the tragedy that follows.
1: Before I ask you about this year a bit, um, is there any dress that you want to mention that for you writing the book was like, wow? I mean, one of my favorite
2: thing, one of my favorite chapters is about Edie Williams, who's like not really that known. She was married to Russ Meyer, who was sort of a exploitation filmmaker. She's known for her role in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, where she plays this porn star. And she sort of showed up year after year, really like through the 80s and 90s, um, wearing these ridiculous outfits. A lot of them were like a bikini with a fur coat. She was a big rescue dog advocate. So sometimes she'd bring dogs. I read about her 1986 look where she wore these basically just like pearls. You could see her nipples. It was very you know, she was sort of the ultimate Oscars gatecrasher. And I loved sort of highlighting that because it's not somebody who you sort of commonly associate with Oscar fashion.
1: So this year, uh, we're coming, hopefully, less COVID, more in person. Um, uh, People want to come out, want to mingle, want to meet. What do you think? What do you expect people to be wearing? Are they going to go glam? Or are they going to go more subdued? Or what do you think?
2: I think it'll be a pretty glam year. Um, I do think people are pretty excited to get out. I mean, we'll see how this ceremony is going. I mean, it's going to have hosts this year. It was just announced the host will be um, Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, and Wanda Sykes, which is very exciting. So I think there is this idea that they want to return to the pop and circumstance. I think, I mean, they're going to take advantage of the fact that there will be, probably be from what we understand like a real red carpet last year's was definitely a bridge that it is going to be in the Dolby theater last year's was at um Union Station in LA so it was very you know and people are sitting around a table people are going to be sitting in their seats again this year so yeah I think people are going if you've seen sort of some of the red carpets this year people are stepping out and I'm excited for that as far as like who I'm looking forward to I mean for me uh, this year the person who's fashion I'm most excited to see is probably Kristen Stewart and um, I'm so happy she got the nomination for Spencer and I think she is someone who is consistently redefined fashion in her own image you know she's a Chanel spokesperson but she's also a queer woman with a punk rock side who like clearly prefers wearing jeans and leather jackets to gowns but every time she does step out in the sort of high fashion it is high fashion by way of her so I'm very excited to see how she interprets that for the Oscars as an author.
1: Esther thank you so much this was so interesting Thank thank you for taking your time with me and thank you for the book. Thank you so much for having me I really really appreciate it. Thank you so much to Esther Zuckerman her book Beyond the Best Dressed is out now. And thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.